Welcome to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries, a Christ-centered conversation that will encourage and inspire you to live a better life. Now let's join Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. Hello, welcome to Hacks for Life, and I'm your host, Galen Jones, and I'm here with a good friend of mine, Scott Rahi. And today we are going to be talking about how evil points toward God. Sounds like an interesting topic there, Scott. So let's let's rock and roll. Yeah, it seems a bit counterintuitive at first, doesn't it? Yes. We just finished some time a few podcasts ago about the idea that morality is objective and there's a moral lawgiver and, you know, there's good, there's evil in the world. So it makes sense to sort of couple that with this topic and, and you know, go ahead and address the what I consider to be probably the primary objection that the skeptical community has mm-hmm. to God's existence, and that is the world's filled with evil. It's just everywhere. Yep. In fact, it seems more is, more is out there every minute. And how can the world be so full of evil, and how can you, how can you say there's a good God? Yeah, and that's. I mean, I, I'm sure you've heard it when you've talked to people. I've heard it a lot, and it's. I think um, it's been called the principal argument against the existence of God, hmm. and it's a powerful argument. It's a very um, emotional argument. It's a very personal argument to many people. I know people who have lost their faith um, over the death of a child, uh, cancer, uh, rejection, just. Re, you know, reading things and hearing things in the world, you know, starving children, tsunamis that come in and just kill hundreds and hundreds of people. And, you know, they ask themselves, "How? where's God? Yeah. Where does God exist? Why doesn't God stop this? Yeah. I heard a lot of that during 9-11. Right. And even among um, the, uh, I would say, a our, our church population, our church community, believers, yeah. will uh, – one of the things I've heard is the question that gets raised um, – or it's really not a question. It's more an, uh, a statement that just kind of says, I can't love a God that would allow – and just – it's going to be followed by some tragic event or whether it's something personal or something that a person has seen uh, – so I think this particular topic is on on the minds and hearts of a lot of people because, like I said, it is emotional, especially when it happens to me. And I don't think we're going to be able to – this topic is not going to allow a person to say, look, God did this. I can't forgive God for doing this, so I can't worship God. What we, what we can do – I mean, we can talk about that by getting into the character of God and saying, you know, we, the Bible says God is love. When we when we get to that point, yeah, let's talk about that. How can how can we say simultaneously that God is love? What we really want to do in this situation in this podcast is to say, can God even can we even conceptualize God as existing, given that there's evil in the world? Not can God be good if there's evil in the world, but can God exist if there's evil in the world? We'll talk a little bit about the nature of God, but won't spend a tremendous amount of time on it. Okay. Um, I think the first thing I want to do is start with just to set sort of a framework. You know, the skeptical community, most of the world, probably most of the Christian community, to be honest with you, 
if you ask them what what's the purpose of life they'll talk about things like you know to be happy to have a healthy family have a good job you know go for the gusto whatever it whatever the phrase is i don't think that's the christian view of what the purpose of life is and i think when you when you start with saying the purpose of life is to be happy and healthy and have a good family and you know go to a good school and you know see the world pretty places and whatnot when you start with that it becomes harder to sort of set that worldview and and make it coexist with the idea that there's a good god in a very evil world so i think christians the the historically classically the christian definition whenever they're asked the question you know what's the purpose of life what they would say is the purpose of life is to know God. And I think that's right. We're not here. You know, I've heard William Lane Craig said one more than once, but I've heard him say it. He says, look, we're not in some really beautiful terrarium and we're not God's pets. And he's not, he didn't create us so he can, you know, make us really enjoy life. And here, let me feed you, you know, delicious food and let me find all these cool things for you to do. The purpose of life is to know God. And, sometimes things that happen in life um, might seem to us very very difficult but the you know as a christian i try and filter that through the question does it allow me or allow others to know god better does it lead to knowledge of god does it lead to a person sort of coming to the foot of the throne of christ and turning their life over to christ i think that's the purpose of life and agree with it or not that's what I think the Christian, um, the proper Christian definition is. And let, let me give you a, a quote from if, uh, Ecclesiastes 12, it's verse 13. This whole book is, and we don't know for sure who the author was. I think he calls himself Koheleth. We think it was Solomon. Um, he gives a description over the course of 12 chapters of all the different ways he tried to find meaning in life. He tried to find it through power, through women, through um, pleasures, through food, all these different things. And it was just, you know, vanity of vanity is always vanity and nothing's new under the sun. And he finally reaches a conclusion. And I'm honestly not sure how enthusiastic he is about the conclusion. The way you read it, it's almost like he's resigned to it. But he does come to this, this conclusion in verse 13. He says, the end of the matter all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I think what he's saying is, here's the actual place where you find your meaning. Here's the actual place where you find purpose. It's in relationship to God. It's serving God. So if we start at the very outset by saying, whatever we're going to talk about in this topic, it's with the understanding that there's a purpose behind behind everything, evil anything that occurs and that is to know god and so whatever when someone says how could god allow this to happen i think you have to filter it through that understanding you know it's it's, maybe it sounds strange to say it but does it allow us to draw closer to god does it allow others to draw closer to god is there a greater good that comes out of this i believe that all things work together for good to those that love god that's what romans eight tells us so that's kind of the framework that i'm working inside of throughout this whole thing okay does that make sense yeah before you before you jump on <clears throat> uh-huh. and i don't want to sidetrack us no that's fine. um but i just uh, uh, 
First, I want to go back because some of our listeners, when we look at the biblical text and we hear like a uh, a statement, fear God, mm-hmm. um, at least in the conversations that I've had, you know, most people kind of uh, look at that and go, well, if God's a loving God, I mean, why would I fear him? Why would I be afraid of yeah. him? Um Especially when, you know, they may have heard different messages about, you know, uh, we, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't live in fear, and, and, and mm-hmm. so that that's kind of a, a uh, maybe a hard concept for some <clears throat> people to get right. their head around because it's it just seems like it's a mixed message. Yeah. Um, but when we understand the word fear, and I haven't looked up the word that. Uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes uses there for fear. Uh, but in most um, of the places that I'm aware of in the text, the idea is to honor or give reverence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so it's it's not like I'm, I'm scared. No. It is I recognize that God is here and I honor and respect yeah. him as God. Yeah, it's a reverence, it's an awe, Yeah, it's, that sort of a yeah. thing. I suspect <clears throat> that when we do face God at the end of this life, I expect there'll be a fair amount of fear. Imagine, you know, con- you know, facing the infinite, you know, ground of all all that exists, the creator of all things. That's and realize that you're going to have your life reviewed and you're going to be judged and I expect there'll be a pretty significant fear-provoking moment, but you're right. It's not about let me be in terror of God. It's about serving God. It's about recognizing who God is. It's about honoring God. And that's the proper relationship. It's a relationship of servanthood. Right. It's a relationship of worship. So, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, he is God. And and so, um, and, and I'm not expecting us to unpack all of this, um, but just throwing some stuff out that maybe some of our listeners have heard or, or thought about. Um, I can remember one time I was asked the question uh, by a skeptic. They, mm-hmm. you know, they were um, giving me some pushback on my belief, and the question was, "Is this the best world that God could have created?" Yep. Um, and then you know they'll kind of go off on, well, you know, evil exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our topic, and. If evil exists and God is love and he's all-powerful and he's all-knowing, why does he allow – there is no way that he could allow this to happen, Yeah. given those assumptions that yeah. he's all-knowing, all-powerful, he's all-loving, yeah. and these things – Yeah. Um, uh, cancer happens to – especially – this is especially emotionally charged with little ones. Of course. Uh, when I've yeah. had conversations with families that yeah. really struggle. How could my child – suffer like this. Yeah, how could God uh, allow things like this to happen? Because he knows it and he's powerful, he can fix it, but he doesn't. So, I just can't love a God like that. Right. And a lot of those are spoke spoken out of frustration and, and even anger at the moment, at the situation one right. finds himself in. Um, but <clears throat> I, I just, I, I, I bring that up because I think uh, maybe some of our listeners have heard that because my response is yes it is the best world that God could have created yeah. for his purpose for his purpose uh, but it's because it's not for our purpose it's for 
his purpose. It's not a terrarium for our enjoyment. Right. We're, he's we're, got a reason for the for doing it the way that he's done it, and he's created it optimally for that reason. Yeah. I mean, we're not you know hamsters in a little hamster cage, and yeah. you know the owner puts a little wheel in there for us, and we yeah, yeah for entertainment. That's uh, right. But that's not what God created for. for so anyway, there was a moment several years ago um, at the church you and I used to attend. I was in, I believe it was a college class, a, a, a Bible class for college students, I think, because there were some kids that came back from, um kid came in from Harding, and he, we were just talking, I don't even remember what the topic was, but he brought up, he said, there's just no way I could believe in God. Or he said, I'm struggling to believe in God. Mm-hmm. I think, I'm not sure if I believe or not, because how could God allow, he, he talked about um, a nephew of his who was in a car crash several years prior to that. And was killed and it was apparently you know six or eight year old boy and he's just like I, I i can't and you could tell it was powerful for him and so that's one of the elements of this you know we started kind of this whole series of conversations and we were talking very not really abstractly but very sort of cerebrally intellectually you know can god create the universe as fine-tuned as he does or, mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing that doesn't really get you in the in your in your gut in okay. the heart and you know now now this topic really does it's mm-hmm. that sort of thing of i've lived it and life is exhausting and i don't know why this relationship broke up or why this job disappeared or you know why this person got sick or maybe i got sick or whatever and it's that's why I say it's the most powerful in my in my opinion it's the most powerful argument that skeptics have against Christianity to say how you know explain it and most people can't most people are like I don't I don't know what to say to this yeah and I think unfortunately um, I, it's 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 hard to live the life that we live Christianity is not an easy life you know Jesus I think it was John John sixteen I believe or maybe it was Matthew. Um, where he said, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And he never promised us to have a good life. He promised us that we won't have difficult, that we will have difficulties mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. And so people who start off with this notion that we're supposed to be happy, is, I think it's the wrong, the wrong assumption. And I think I didn't, you know, I didn't plan on going into this. It's not on my notes, but it just it just occurs to me that a lot of the Christian um, the visible Christian movement in the world today is tied to what we would call the health and wealth gospel, or they also call it the uh, the word of faith movement. And you see people like Benny Hinn and Joel Osteen and these different people, and they say, you know, if you have enough faith. Prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel, yeah. You have enough faith and you pray sincerely enough, God's going to give you all your dreams. You're going to get your, the job you want. You're going to get the money you want. You're going to get the relationship you want. You're going to maintain good health. And in those situations, they will actually turn um, turn it around on you and say, you know what? If you're not getting all of these things, you're you don't have strong enough faith. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a joke. It, it becomes it becomes yeah, it becomes my fault somehow that God's not blessing me and. Yeah. That's not what we believe, and I don't think that that is a biblical. I don't think it's a biblically sustainable position. And you know, we can talk more about that at some point if we want to. There's a you know, a lot to be said there, but that's not what I think Christianity is. Um, Paul had an affliction of some sort, 
don't know what it was he called it a thorn and he prayed that jesus would take it away or to that god would take it away and uh, eventually god said my strength is made perfect in your weakness and he wouldn't take it away so i don't think that christianity is about being ah life's one you're going to have those moments i think it was you that actually taught me this notion that throughout life you're always either going into a crisis you're in a crisis or you're coming out of a crisis and i'm always hoping that i'm in the coming out of a crisis phase. <laughs> i don't want to be going in i don't want to be in i just want to be on the way out sustained on the way out the rest of my life um but that's really the way life is it's you know anybody that thinks that we that becoming a christian means you're gonna all your problems are gonna go away they they don't understand christianity yeah I, um, I, I love the passage in James, James chapter uh, one, where he, uh, uh, yeah, one verse, the first that little first section there, you know, count it all joy, my brothers, right. when you encounter various trials, because yeah. it perfects your faith. That's right. I mean, it 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 uh, separates um, the belief in a utopian world, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. Um, how uh, humanity's always trying to create this utopia, yeah, and it, without God's existence, mm-hmm. uh, they want to you know kind of go, oh, look what we did, yep, and we can achieve this. I mean, we we hear this with, uh, I think, um, you know, the Corona has. Uh, corona. COVID. COVID has. <laughs> well, I say coronavirus. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but COVID has really, um, how would we say, it's accelerated that whole idea that, you know, we can kill this virus. All right. Uh, as in humans can. Mm-hmm. As if we had some magical power to be able to do that, That's which right. we don't. I don't think we do. I don't think <laughs> yeah. we do. And I think evil is here to stay. And I think evil is... Uh, to me, I think evil points to God. So as as we we're, we're going to run out of time here in a minute. Let me let me before we get out of here. Let me just define what evil is in my mind. Just so we again we're setting a framework. Mm-hmm. Um, a good way to start is is to say that evil is the absence of good, and good being defined as that which is morally right, that what that which we should do. And if we think of evil as the absence of good. It's not so much a thing, sort of like cold is not really a thing. It's just the absence of heat or darkness is not really a thing. Darkness is just the absence of light. So the so light goes away, you have darkness that's left behind. You have heat goes away, cold is left behind. Good goes away, evil is left behind. And that's one way to define it. Um, and another way that, that it, I've seen it defined is the corruption of good. Um, and in that sense, it, it's, it is a bit more of an active concept. But again, it's taking good and twisting it to uh, less than good purposes, if that makes some sense. Um, and some examples that I that I've sort of jotted down about that, the desire for food is good, but we can twist it and it becomes gluttony. I say that because I'm a big man and I probably should not be gluttonous. <laughs> I'm just using myself. I can say these things because I'm talking about me. Yeah. Well, and and no one can see you. That's right. That's why I had to yeah, tell everybody. You can, yeah. The desi- we have a desire for companionship, <laughs> and that can become sexual addiction. It can become things like stalking other people. Things. Mm-hmm. It can become all sort of horrible things. I've even heard an example of well, the, the love of a mother 
can never be corrupted. But imagine a mother that loves their child so much that they find that their child has murdered somebody and they cover that murder up because they love their child and they don't want their child to have to go to prison. That can be corrupted. So in that sense, evil is the corruption of good. So when we talk about evil, <clears throat> we're talking about it in that sense, the absence of good, the corruption of good. And to make it very specific to the Christian uh, way of thinking, I had um, a, somebody asked me one time, you know, define evil, and it was in a Christian, it was in a Bible class at, at church. And the way I phrased it was, it's anything that goes against the will or the um, nature of God. And so God is the de very definition of good. So anything that detracts from that or corrupts that, that's what I would call evil. Um, and if we are thinking in those terms, and we couple that with the idea that the purpose of life is not to just you know, enjoy a pleasurable existence, but it's to know God, those, those are basic concepts I think we need to sort of set as foundations as we move forward. Mm -hmm. What I'd like to do is going, going on to the next conversation is let's expand that a little bit and let's talk about different kinds of problems. Because like I say, the skeptics raise this as the primary problem um, to say God doesn't exist. Well, how do they do that? What are the different sorts of problems that they raise? I want to explore that. I want to define those a little bit and see how we would answer that. Okay, great. Sounds like a... A good conversation. I hope so. You've been listening to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. The James Group is a nonprofit, Christ centered organization that seeks to serve the community by offering skilled, caring support for anyone in need. For help, call 972 243 4673. That's 972 243 4673. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another Hacks for Life with Galen Jones.